1: the number one financial destination yahoo finance.com
2: she and her i'm Sandra Davidson and I'm
3: Anita Rao we are she and her Sandra, what do we have on tap for tonight?
2: Well, Anita, it is no secret that we have a lot of really amazing female friends, and we really like to bring them on the show. And a couple of months ago, Crosby Lupton, one of my oldest and dearest friends from childhood, joined us live in Hillsborough to talk about work, money, and family secrets. And this week, we're going to share a portion of our live conversation with her.
3: Great. So yeah, she joined us in studio, um, and you two have known each other for really a long time. What do you tell us a bit about Crosby?
2: Yeah. So we grew up together in Harnett County. She came from a big family. She's one of the funniest and most caring and hardest working people that I know. And she is no stranger to financial struggle. So she's the first in her family to graduate from college. She worked the entire time she was in school, um, and she's basically worked her ass off to earn a living and live independently and three years ago she unearthed a secret that kind of touches on all of these different things so her relationship with her family her work and her finances and in this episode she walks us through all of that so let's start at the beginning
0: um well I'm one of four I'm from Andrew North Carolina and it's a really small farming town farming community um I grew up beside my grandparents and like really close to my aunts and cousins. I'm talking within like a five mile radius, which Mm. is amazing. I'm one of 17 grandchildren on my mom's side. But, yeah, it was just a close community. They, uh, you know, would have uh, get-togethers for any reason. Uh, NASCAR or maybe there was a game or whatever. Maybe it was just Sunday and somebody had extra hot dogs. Like, (laughs) it was just, you know, and we would all get together and hang out. So I, I had a fun childhood. I had a really fun childhood. My dad had me involved in a lot of sports, and my brothers played sports, and we played a lot outside, and, yeah, it was great.
2: So talk a little bit more about your memories of your father when you were growing up. You said that he had you in sports and tell us more. Yeah,
0: um, let's see. Well, memories of my dad. He, mom kept us. So dad, like mom kept children. Uh, She kept kids in the community. Uh, And so I spent a lot of time with her at home, but dad was working. But we, uh, I remember Saturday mornings being a thing, like cooking breakfast. And he's like awesome at cooking breakfast. I remember a lot of music he's you know he's got like tons of records and like a really cool music taste so a lot of the um you know a lot of the things that i know about the rolling stones and you know stuff like that it comes from him uh he yeah he had me in sports he was always the like assistant coach uh, yeah. of the soccer team or whatever and um yeah i mean pretty good early childhood I would say you know him and my mom fought a lot but it wasn't like domestic abuse or anything but you know arguing bickering uh often over money because we just didn't have a lot of it so uh but we had a lot of I never knew that we didn't have money
3: yeah yeah (laughs) what was your your perception of of that when you were a kid
0: I just didn't realize it Hmm. like I did yeah I didn't really know that you know i didn't really know that we didn't have a lot of money probably until like high school i didn't feel i had a super close group of friends i didn't feel like a lot of teenagers do i just didn't feel different because i had bad friends like a ton of like really close friends that just literally i was born with like it's ridiculous (laughs) um but yeah so i didn't feel different uh and then whenever i probably got to high school or whatever and um started not to be able to go on go to like uh you know the mall or the movies every time with my friends because I didn't have money myself so I would be like mom can I have some money and it was always like no like <laughs> no <Right. laughs> um which I'm not by any means like crying a river about like that's not a big deal so I was just like okay I guess if I want money I need to get a job so I guess I started to realize the differences in how much money we had around then because I had to work a lot and to you know sustain the social life that I wanted to have or whatever um and and how did
2: that evolve when you got to college
0: I don't know I went to school and I obviously knew I had to keep working but I had a job at a grocery store called Carly C's IGA and I had worked there for a really long time and so I would come, since I didn't have the car, I would come home on the weekends and and work like a lot. Um, And then I also had a job at the library at NC State. So I was working a little bit during the week and then um, I was pretty homesick when I first got to school. So I would go home and work on the weekends because that was something that was really comfortable to me was working. And then, yeah, as I went through school, I started to realize, okay, like I need to work more um, to be able to do what I want to do. And I, like I said, had a job at the library, and then I got a job in a restaurant as a host, and then I got tired of working for, like, hourly payment, and so then I started waiting tables, and I'm still doing that.
2: Can you give us a sense for, like, when you were most busiest in college, what did a week look like for you?
0: So, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of late nights in the library after work. A lot of nights where everyone was going out, and everybody was, like... You know, we'd, we'd add into shift where I'd been on my feet all night or whatever. And it was just like, uh, no, I can't go out. I'm going straight to DHL. And I would crank out a paper or just a lot of early mornings, uh, like getting up at seriously like 4.30 in the morning to start my day or whatever. Um, so busiest week was probably just that, being in and out of the library, in and out of work, mm-hmm. um... There were times where I didn't, you know, I didn't have a car until I was 20. So I was taking the bus from uh, NC State to Crabtree, where I was working at the time as a hostess, and I would have to carry like this huge bag of clothes because I would have to change into clothes mm-hmm. for work, and I it would I'd be sweaty on campus or whatever. So those those times when I look back were really, you know, there were times where I was like, wow, this really. Uh, you know, riding the struggle bus. Like, I was really pushing, you know, I was going for it. It didn't feel like it at the time. I didn't feel like, oh, poor me. Like, it was just what I had to do, so I did it.
3: <laughs> what were you, what was driving you? Like, I mean, I guess, you see you were the first, Sandra said you were the first in your family to go to college. What inspired that? To graduate? Dis- oh, to graduate yes. from college. Okay, well, what inspired the decision to go and see it through despite, like, the craziness yeah.
0: of your schedule? Well, I think that a lot of... Uh, kids nowadays in high school are pushed into the four-year degree path and not to say that I was like forced into it but it was definitely like after high school you go to college there was not really any other option and I did really well in high school and I uh, I, I liked school and I like really wanted to get out of Andrew and I really wanted to get out of my house and like you know start independent Crosby's life and not you know daughter Crosby's life.
2: Crosby Lupton talking about her upbringing and her relationship with her dad Crosby worked two jobs with a full course load while she was in college and she struggled to manage all of these things as anybody would Um, but she ended up on the dean's list during her final semesters in college at NC State Uh, so she talked about her parents relationship and how it changed when she was away at school
3: Um, and it really faltered and at some point her mom asked her dad to leave So some months after that cross banner at the secret that really rocked her and her family's world.
0: I was about to graduate college and college was not easy because I was working a lot and I also didn't do very well my freshman year and so the rest of the time like, didn't do well at all, academic probation. And it was weird because I was really a good high school student and I'm sure this is a narrative for a lot of college students but Mm. um, I just didn't do well and so the rest of my uh, you know, three years was playing catch up and luckily I got into a major that I really loved and excelled in. And so anyways, I was about to finish school. It was the October before the December I was graduating and I was feeling great. Like I was in a really great place and I was super excited to graduate. I was making good grades and I, you know, it was good. At the time i I just finished working an internship that summer. I was working like a 30 hour a week internship and waiting tables and so I remember not having any time that summer I remember like hanging out with my boyfriend and like studying at the same time and mm-hmm. um, but it just working just felt so normal to me because i had been doing it since I was like 15 so it was just like a part of life I, it did not like I'm not by any means feeling bad for myself about it like I just it's always been there and mm-hmm. it's great I'm glad that I know how to work but um, I remember talking to someone that I was waiting tables with at the time named Rich and I was like God like Um, I'm just, I'm really not spending my money right. Like, I'm just, like, always out of money. And he was just like, why? Like, you don't have a life. And I was like, ouch. But he was like, literally, you, you never go out with us. Like, Um, you know you're always at work I don't really know how you could not have money I I imagined you had a lot of money and he was like you should look at your bank statements and see if like there's like a gym membership or a magazine like (laughs) that just is running yeah he was like one time a gym was charging me for like two years and I didn't know (laughs) and I was like (laughs) at the time I was like that's a good idea you know I wasn't great with money because I mean I just I don't know I just wasn't great with money we didn't really have it it was not something that was super taught in school or anything like that so I was like, "That's a great idea." I'm gonna go back into my bank statements, and I would I would look at them um, to see if I had got a check deposited or whatever. It wasn't like they were just these ghost statements, but I wasn't looking at them super closely. So I go to sign into my State Employees Credit Union, like, <laughs> to see what's going on, and I start seeing all of these transfers, and they were like, uh, you know, random amounts of money: thirty dollars here, one hundred and twenty dollars there. And they were all, like, the minus signs. They were all coming out of my account. And I was like, how did I not know this? Like, my first was my first thought was, like, somebody is, like, messing with me. Like, someone's got my debit card on Amazon, um, something. And so I was first off really annoyed with myself and embarrassed. And so I call St. place Credit Union, and I was like, hey, uh, I've got all these, like, uh, charges coming out of my account from, like, random ATMs and... The bank account that I'm talking about was formed when I was 16 or 17, around the time when I um, got a job at Carly C's where I was making like a lot more money and having to get checks deposited and stuff. So it was a joint bank account with my parents and myself. So anyways, mm. all these transfers. And I could hear the guy like I was talking to just sort of get quiet like she really doesn't know. And he was like, um, just very gently, was like, okay, so you have a joint account and... <laughs> Um, one of the users on your account is um, is is moving money into theirs and I was like what like what do you mean and he was like um one of the okay uh one <laughs> of the he just was struggling and then he told me again and I said oh okay um all right and I was just like I have to go because at that point I knew it was either my mom or my dad I knew it wasn't my mom my mom would never do that Um, because you know, my parents, they struggled for money and stuff. And it was, my mom was never too prideful to like say to me like, Hey, can I have like a hundred bucks to like pay the light bill? And as soon as I get paid, like you can have it back. It was just, yeah, I knew that my mom would always come to me. Like Mm -hmm. she would never just secretly do that. So I called my mom and I couldn't get up with her at school. And I like, by this point I'm in the stairwell having basically a panic attack, just like what in the heck is going on? And, um, I finally got up with my dad. He was like, just, hello? Just and I was like, uh, hey, um, have you been taking money from me? And he was like, what? And I was like, have you been taking money out of my account? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, why? And he was like, uh, to make ends meet. And I said, what kind of ends are you meeting? Like, what? I've not seen any of this. Like, what are you doing? And I just broke down and was like, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Like, I can't believe, you, I can't believe you're doing this to me. I can't believe you're doing this to me. Because it was, I was making a lot of money. And I just, I was making a lot of money and I didn't even realize, I was so used to like not having it that I didn't even realize mm-hmm. when it was gone. And it was just, I just couldn't believe that he was doing it. It was just right under my nose. Like he, I was just infuriated I was furious.
3: So that's Crosby talking about um, a pretty terrible time in her life. And, Sandra, you were friends with her throughout all of that. What do you remember about that time?
2: I mean, I remember getting the call from her where she explained what happened. And that night, I went and met her at the restaurant where she was working and went and helped her. She'd printed out all of the transactions, and I went through the transactions with her. And we started highlighting every one that was from her dad. and. Long story short, by the end of it all, she realized that her dad had taken around $8,000 from her without asking. So she's been working through this for
3: the last three years. um, And after confronting her father, she went through a period of being pretty estranged from him, which she still maintains on and off to this day. And she's struggled a bit to get back on her feet financially and also struggled with the fact that her father hasn't really been held accountable. He's only given her, what, a couple of hundred dollars since then. Yeah. So then she ended up writing a letter to her dad.
2: Yeah, and in that letter, she outlines how heartbroken she's been, how angry she is, and how she is choosing to forgive him as a part of her process of moving on. And she talked with us about her journey to healing.
0: My immediate healing was just, all right, uh, this is really shitty, but I'm going to— continue on with my life and Mm -hmm. i have to finish school and i can't like put my life on on hold for this but there was definitely a lot of days where i didn't get out of bed and you know it was just and i lived with my brother at the time thank god because yeah he was awesome um but yeah i don't know healing it it's been good it's been hard um I don't really know. I don't
2: I, know. I I remember for you for a long time I think you were cruising on the anger. Like yes. that's how you were moving putting one foot in yes. front of the other every single day like yeah. you would access the sadness every now and then but most of the time you would channel the anger yeah, to I'm, get to the end of the day.
0: I'm definitely the kind of person to be like everything's fine like I'm I'm good like things happen to people. I mean I I definitely try to look at situations like that like mm-hmm. Worst things have happened, you know, mm-hmm. and so um, there was a long time where I was just pushing through and just sort of surviving off of this, like,
2: fury and,
0: you know, just kind of like, I can't believe this, and um, I don't know, it just, that was how I dealt with it for a while, and then just spending a lot of time with people and um, trying to, like, appreciate the good examples I have in my life and, like, my mom. Mm-hmm.
3: How has this experience shaped your sense of sort of who you are as a woman now sort of forging your own path? Yeah I mean I
0: feel I feel really strong I feel really passionate um, about being a woman and I, I feel that way because not to say that my brothers weren't affected by this equally or you know this has been a this has been something that has rocked our family and my family has all been experiencing this together this is not by any means like Crosby's plight it's everyone's you know I just happen to be the main character whatever <laughs> um but I just have just started to see that you know me Coley and mom were the ones that were just like really uh, like my sister was self-harming like he uh, he stole from my mom before he stole from me you know and then he stole from me and yeah, I think that I felt very attacked as a woman, and I felt like he felt entitled to my money, and I felt like he felt entitled to to my happiness and that he was, like, resentful of me for, like, you know, going and finishing school and...
2: Buying your own car. Yeah,
0: and, like, buying my own car, and just... It, it was like it wasn't... There was never, like, a moment where it was like, God, like, you are really something. Like, I am so proud. I feel like he had more respect for my brother's... Um, like why Why did he do that to me like because I, I guess I was making the most money but it's just I felt like oh so he didn't take from Tyler and Thomas either he didn't take like I had them check their accounts so I was like he didn't you know hmm. take from your account and Tyler was like no he didn't and so that is yeah I, obviously that feels like I feel it's kind of uh, attacked as a woman just kind of has it
2: changed the way that you relate to men
0: yes Definitely, um, definitely have some trust issues. Um, probably some resent some resentment. I mean, I I try to keep an open mind about men, and I do. Like something I was thinking about today is that you know I'm not boohooing over that. It's just you just evolve as a woman and as a person, and How things do you, happen.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I feel like we think about a lot with the show is just sort of this particular phase in our life where we're officially done like our childhood is is officially over like we are financially independent we're living apart from our parents we're beginning to try to relate to them more as peers and so some of these childhood experiences or ways of interacting with our parents are showing up differently now Mm -hmm. I feel like because we're forging our own relationships and so how do you in relation to other people in your life now try to be mindful of sort of what you're bringing to the table based on your past experience? Like, is it something that you can do in the moment, or does it really only happen when you're sort of stepping back? Like,
0: are you asking if I, like, share it right away with a person, or...?
3: More just how you process how it's impacted your ability to trust or your ability to empathize or confide in.
0: Um, I've just... I don't know. I've just tried to handle it myself, I guess. I go to therapy. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but I... Yeah, I've, I don't know. I just... I try to balance the like resentment issues that I have and trust issues that I have with um I don't know trying to see the best in someone Mm -hmm. and trying to focus on that and yeah uh yeah just trying to like be grateful um and just trying to like nurture the positivity Mm -hmm. like just trying to nurture the positivity and the people who are positive and sort of realize that family is not um can come in all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm.
2: Crosby, thank you so much for being so brave and honest. We really appreciate you coming to the show. I love you.
0: Love you too. Thank you, guys. (laughs)
2: That was Crosby Lofton talking about rebuilding. Anita, what are your thoughts? Well, one thing I
3: was thinking about a lot when we were recording the episode is that we've, through this show, we've had this ability to talk with some of our closest friends about moments in their lives that we've sort of supported them through or been their friends throughout, but now are able to sort of approach it from a different perspective. Um, I feel like I was able to do that with Allie and with Georgia, and you were able to do that a bit with Crosby. Um yeah, And so, I mean, it was clear how emotionally raw it all still was, um, but I really felt like she is at this point now where she's sort of, like, owning both her own response and reaction to various parts of this and trying to make sense of how she wants to move forward. And I did feel, like, an overwhelming sense from her that, like, a page has turned where
2: her energy is now really focused toward how can she move forward. Forward. Yeah. So I was really struck by Crosby's honesty and her willingness to come on the show and talk about something that's really deeply personal that is very painful to her. And I imagine like could make a lot of people in her family uncomfortable that she has come forth, come forward to be public about that. And, you know, I feel like Many, many times, family secrets, which sometimes are the worst kind of secrets, do stay secret. They do stay hidden. And especially for women, like we're encouraged to push that kind of thing away and push it down for the the good of the group or the good of others. But, you know, owning your own truth and owning your own experience is very empowering. And there's something powerful about that. And this is a truth and a fact that happened to her. And, you know, I'm really moved by her willingness and desire to to do what it takes to heal yeah and if the and and if part of that is coming forward and being open and public about it then that's part of her process and she has every right in the world to do that
3: yeah and i think i mean there's sort of a, a peel back the curtain moment for us in this episode in the sense that you know we are we're we're giving a space to people in our lives to be really vulnerable but there's also i mean There can be a lot at stake when these people are also our friends and we feel very responsible for how we share their narrative. So um, this is one that we've been working on for quite some time Mm -hmm. because we really wanted to make sure that we were able to convey it in a way that felt true to uh, what Crosby's experience was um, but was also sensitive to, like, the depth and complexity of the content. So yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, we had a lot of editorial conversations about this one, and and it's sort of an interesting reflection – an interesting moment to sort of look at what we're doing with the show when we are talking about sensitive topics with people that we're very close to and trying to navigate the line between friend and journalist and editor.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, like, where does the primary responsibility fall? Yeah. And it's never black and white. Yeah. But uh, I'm really proud of this one, and I'm proud of Crosby.
3: Yeah, thank you again, Crosby, um, for – Sharing your story with us and... Um, an update. Yes, give yes. an update. Crosby so, has an amazing new job. She
2: does. So I actually had dinner with Crosby very recently, and she has left her job in the restaurant industry and is working full-time for Citrix, which is some sort of tech... It's not a startup. <laughs> I wish I could be more specific, but it's a huge like tech company in Raleigh and they've just built this beautiful state of the art sort of google playground for adult style building in the heart of Raleigh and that's where she goes to work every day and Crosby is rounding out her first month of work there and I think she's in the top bracket of the new sales recruits who came in so so she's killing it she's killing it (laughs) she is killing it
3: Awesome. Well, thank y'all so much for listening tonight. Uh, As you know, we record our show in Hillsborough at the studios of WHUP. And we encourage you to follow us on social media. We have a Twitter account, a Facebook account, and an Instagram account. Um, And we have been very active with those this summer, thanks in large part to our intern, Monique Laborde. So shout out, Monique. Um, Praise be, Monique. Praise be, Monique. (laughs) Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes um, and rate us and write us a review. It really does help. And also we want to let you all know that we would love to hear your pitches. Um, Send us an email to sheandherradio at gmail.com or you can submit a pitch through our website, sheandherradio.com. We love hearing from listeners and getting story ideas, and we appreciate anything
2: you want to share. Yeah, thanks for listening. Have a good night. Bye.